Welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm and trauma. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm and trauma. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Welcome everybody to Start By Listening. It is the month of November. Oh my goodness, a lot has happened in the last month. And today we have with us two special guests who are our friends and our co-workers here at New Beginnings. And they're going to talk about their education programs and the wonderful opportunities that our local communities have to receive free resources to help children with prevention of childhood sexual assault. And then also, what do, what do you do if after you go through a class, you learn maybe I am a survivor and how do you handle that? So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Crystal and Becca, and um, they're going to introduce themselves and talk a little bit about what they do. Welcome. All right. I guess I'll go first since I have the the littler kiddos, if that works. <laughs> uh, my name is Crystal, and I do the Play It Safe Prevention Program, and that is a program um, for physical abuse and sexual abuse. I meet with kiddos, um, kindergarten all the way up to fifth grade, maybe even sixth grade if that's contained in that school. I can even meet with preschool age children. I have a, a little modified program I can do with them. Um, even with the age of kindergarten up to fifth grade, we use the same safety rules. So the rules carry carry on and our safety rules are to say no to get away and to tell a trusted adult. And um, with the little ones, I talk to them about a trusted adult. That's going to be somebody that will believe us and get us help. And uh, we carry those safety rules and we talk about different types of touches. Uh, We practice the safety rules. We have some scenarios that we go over. So I have Joe and Susie dolls that the kiddos love. Uh, We use those kindergarten, first, second grade. It's funny when I show up to the third grade class without Joe and Susie. They're always like, where's Joe and Susie? <laughs> um, so, um, and they have some stories that they tell the kids. Makes it a little bit more relatable for them. Um, I'm hoping that we're, we're putting it at a level that they can um, understand that it's not okay, even if somebody is hurting us that we know and somebody that we love and somebody that we thought we could trust, um, we have to tell. Mm-hmm. And above everything that I do with those kids, I want them to know that it's not their fault. Yeah. And I'm so proud of them, um, you know, to have the courage when, when they're able to talk and find that voice. And it may not be for them. It might just be for a friend or somebody else in their family. But it's not their fault and that it's never too late to tell. That's lovely, Crystal. No, it's, it's an awesome program. Cool. And um, do you go to, like, all the seven counties? All the seven area. counties. I do all the seven counties. Uh, I say, uh, stay super busy. It's awesome. Um, usually I'm at a school for a week at a time, depending on the, the size of the school. Sometimes they'll combine classes, but usually I'm there for a week at a time. So I could do maybe 24 programs that week, depending on, on what we do. But 
Yeah. Anywhere from like 30 minutes. The older kids, I may have an hour with them. Um, as we get like in the third grade program, we'll talk a little bit about bullying, a little bit more about internet safety and staying safe online. Uh, the fourth grade and fifth grade program, uh, we start out with some internet safety and using our safety rules online as well. And then we'll move on to the other wow. things. That's a lot of different information, isn't it? it is. Given to children on how to keep safe. It, it, it really is. Um, So, Becca, what is your program all about? So, I'm Becca, and I do the It's My Space program, and I do that with 6th, 7th, and 8th graders in our middle schools. Um, it's all about how to recognize, and every teenager's favorite thing, communicate boundaries. <laughs> um, and we so we start with your basic, what boundaries are, what boundaries look like for yourself, how to recognize them in other people, and when we experience a boundary violation, how to like talk to people about it. And like Crystal, I also get into bullying and then I get into internet safety and then even teen dating violence because we start seeing teen dating violence as early as sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to talk to our students and let them know like, hey, we're here. We want you to be able to feel safe enough to talk to somebody because I want every teenager to know that they have every basic right to feel happy, safe, and healthy, no matter where they're at, and nobody has the right to take that away from them. So even if it's your friend, even if it's a teacher, a parent, a sibling, somebody that you're in a relationship with, nobody has the right to make you feel unsafe, nobody has the right to take away your happiness, and absolutely nobody has the right to hurt your health in any way. So that's what It's My Space says, and it's about... I'm kind of like Crystal. Sometimes I can be in a school for a week, or sometimes we break it up into days. I'm in all seven counties as well. So it's a lot of fun. That's amazingly articulated. These programs seem so important. And I'm just going to throw this out here because I'm curious, and I think it would be fascinating for the podcast audience to hear your takes on it. Um... And I'm just making a note to myself that I will cut this out if need be, but we didn't discuss this before the show, but I'm curious. Um, We are in Western Kentucky, and while these programs are about keeping yourself safe from interpersonal violence, I know we've been getting some pushbacks from some of the schools in the local area about having our programs there um, because of some recent stuff that's going on with the legislature. I'm curious if y'all would like to share your takes on that. I know, Crystal, you maybe had a meeting with the school board earlier. Yeah, it's gone, it's gone really well. I think with the Senate Bill 150, they're maybe a little worried about some wording, but above any of that, they want me in the schools. And above any of that, they want their children safe. Mm -hmm. So that's where their priority is. They're going to, it was a great meeting. We're going to work around some wording and uh, get back into all the schools um, because they they know they can't say we're children first. And that not only means in education, that means we want our kids safe mm-hmm. and we have to give them the tools to stay safe. So, um, yeah, I think just a few little tweaks on some wording and everything is good to go and it's going to be fine. 
Um, we just want to make sure, and I think it's good, you know, letters go home to parents, which is really our parents or care caregivers, which is important because we need to continue those conversations, not only at school. They should be continued at home. So letters explaining what the program is. Um, it's more of an opt-in letter, so please sign this um, to, to know your child's going to be participating in this program. So um, not all. Children will get to participate, and that's okay. I have a lot of um, parents and caregivers that will call me with questions, and I totally welcome that. Any questions or any concerns that you might have, we can talk through it. You can um, see a video that I show or anything that might help through this decision-making. So, yeah, schools have been, um, I think the Senate bill kind of maybe made us a little leery about things, but it's been fine. Everything's going to work out in the long run and everything's a go with the schools. I think it's because it's such a new bill. New bill. And let's be honest, <clears throat> the topic of, you know, power-based personal violence of any kind, like whether it's child abuse or dating violence or bullying, it's scary. And, you know, caregivers just want to like protect their people. And they think about talking about it. Sometimes it might bring up hard times or it might, you know, trigger some things or whatever the case may be. I think it's important that we do let people know our programs are very, I don't want to say surface level because that makes it sound like it's not important, but we don't go too deep into anything where it would be completely triggering. And if for some reason it does trigger a kiddo, that we don't just walk out of the school and say, well, you deal with it. We stay and we help and, you know, we give resources and we do everything we can in case somebody is triggered or they do need to talk about something that's happened. Um, Because our whole goal is to make sure that kiddos know that they have help available to them. And that's just what we want. It's not about getting anybody in trouble, putting ideas in anybody's head. It's just to make sure that they get the help they need for their mental health or whatever the case may be. So that's why we're there. And the schools are great about that. Oh, they really are. They are right there. They work right alongside of us for everything. Yeah. And they're always there for the kids. It's been a great collaboration. For me, it's the teenagers forget that, and they really think that the teachers are out to get them because they might give them homework. And it's like, that is not the case. Most school people that I talk to, whether it's teachers, people in the front office, custodians, any of them, they're like, we care about their well-being as a whole, not just whether or not they're passing math class. You know, like they care about everything within the student. So um, I think that some teenagers just forget that and they think that they're really alone when they're not. Sometimes it's just taking that step to trust that adult with this heavy information, which can be very scary. So I think us coming into the school, we lay out that map for them to be able to say, okay, somebody in this school really does care. So I'm going to be bold and trust somebody with whatever it is that I've been dealing with. And then that starts their healing process. And also giving maybe their friends the skills to know how to react. Because we share so much with our friends. Mm-hmm. It's so and scary. So you're letting your friends mm-hmm. in and then your friends are able to, you know, encourage how to you, encourage and um, what the next steps could be in mm-hmm. to help. So is it typical, whatever you guys are doing, your programs at various schools, that 
kiddos will disclose that they have been a victim of sexual abuse. It is. It is. Um, Sometimes, you know, during my program, I may have a child that wants to disclose right then. I'm saying something and it's very important. I want them to have that voice, but I'll kind of, if I feel like it's a disclosure, I'll kind of let them. um, And I always start out by saying, I don't have a lot of time, but I care about what you say. I might be telling a story and you might want to tell me a story that, you know, relates to that. I said, but we're going to hold everything until the end. So when the video is going, if you want to talk to me, or as you're walking out of this classroom, if you want to talk to me, I care. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, I've got time. So usually if I feel like it's going to be a disclosure, I'll go ahead and stop them. And um, that teacher or guidance is making a note as well. And they're going to spend a second and make sure they check in with that child. I'm going to check in with that child the second I can after the program is over or whatever it might be. And then I am... Um, going on, usually I'm with guidance. So then I will let the guy, I'll tell that student, you know, I'm going to talk to guidance. I'm going to let them know so they can check in with you. Mm-hmm. You're super brave. I'm so proud of you. I believe you. Mm-hmm. And um, then we'll check in with guidance and they'll, they'll usually take over from there. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yes, we disclosures. Okay. What about the middle schoolers? Do you have any disclosures sometimes? Very rarely, because teenagers are so nervous, but on the, I mean, few times that I have, it's been, thank you for trusting me with this, and I need you to know that I'm here, here, and I give them our information, like our phone number, excuse me, and our website, and I'm like, you can reach out to us whenever. I think it's important that we talk to somebody within this school who sees you regularly, and so that's when we either go to a frisk or guidance or even <coughs> my contact teacher. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not what happens. It's never during <coughs> the program. It's always after because mm-hmm. they don't yeah. want to say it in front of their friends. So mm-hmm. they'll pull me aside and we start off like with a minor conversation. Like they'll bring up like I start out my converse or my program with a story about how I came to rescue my dog that I have now. And so they always usually start with, well, how's your dog? And it's like, I'm in a situation like that. And then I'm prepared for, they're about to tell me about a situation in their personal life. And so we hold that space for them. And then we, I always say thanks for trusting me with that. Like, cause one, they don't know me. This is the first time they've met me and they feel like they can trust me. That is, I really feel privileged, I guess. Like, I don't know that this total stranger is trusting me with one of the darkest moments in their life. And so now this is the moment when I either let them know that they are totally believed and we're going to get them help because the words I say really matter here. Um, And so that's when I'm like, I'm going to trust you to trust me when I say we need to get a teacher involved or guidance. And so they'll step in and yeah. I think that's amazing that you all have that. Um collegial relationship right between the schools and and us here at new beginnings just a ballpark how many kiddos do you think you guys reach in a year if you have to give it a number and it doesn't have to be perfect i'm just curious in one year of going to all the schools you go to how many students do you think you reach with your information 
I think, um, close to over 10,000, if I'm not mistaken. That's amazing. Give or take some, you know, the COVID year was kind of odd. Mm-hmm. You know, we were trying to do things virtually, but yeah. if you figure I'm, if, if you just figure I'm in a school every week and four or 500 students in that school. So every month, you know, give or take, it could be anything. And then in the summer, I do summer programs as well, but right. I'd say close could be anywhere in that number. Wow. Well, I mean, normally I see about a thousand, you know, if it's a, yeah. a about a thousand students a month. <clears throat> That's phenomenal. What about you, Becca? What do you think? My, so there's more elementary schools Definitely. than middle schoolers. Um, <coughs> and where I see every single one, it just depends where they're at in the school because mm-hmm. I have to see them when they're not in their core classes. Um, that's because, you know, when middle school, you start hitting all those mm-hmm. different classes when they're rotating. It gets a little more difficult for me to see all of them. So I'm going to say probably in a year, maybe 6,000 in total. And then the ones I didn't see last year, I might see for the first time the next year. Mm-hmm. Because my program each is based. So sixth grade has their own lessons and then seventh grade has their own. So they each build on each other as they get to eighth grade. And then that will prepare them to enter for the Green Dot program when they get to the high school. Mm-hmm. And so I'm probably about 6,000 is what I get. Wow. That's, That's a lot of kiddos. So I'm curious. Um, I know Green Dot's evidence-based. Are both of your programs also evidence-based? They are. I yes. thought so. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that means? Uh, well, I know the Play It Safe program came out of uh, Tarrant, Texas, and um, it is evidence-based, like, through the videos, through all the trainings, what other, like, when you're wanting evidence-based, what Like, kinda... so for us, in the with It's My Space, um, <clears throat> one, as they take the statistics from everything that we have seen, because we do, like, the surveys... Um, at the beginning, and then we talk with the schools, and we see, like, the change in the progression sure. of where the school is going. That shows that um, the evidence base of it all, like, it is scientifically scientifically proven that everything we're doing is making a difference, and they're seeing change within the school. So, like, at one school, we might see less fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, at one school, we might see less and less people um, disclosing um like dating violence because it's happening less and less or we can go in the direction of we see more students stepping in and saying like hey this is not okay this is not cool um or whatever the case may be so we actually we're seeing a change within our school systems just by being there so evidence-based practice is really big buzzword in social work and I just wanted to check in and kind of let the audience know that the programs that we are putting on in these schools, they aren't just something that someone random made up and we were like, this is a good idea, right? Just, There's I, research. Sure. I'm There's thankful research. that I don't have to do the surveys and stuff with mm-hmm. children because that's very hard to try to do a smiley face and, mm-hmm. and it, I really don't have time either. Oh yeah. I think the evidence of course speaks for itself. I mean, if you yeah. can, I, I kind of figure going to a school. I mean, if you just look at one school and 10 disclosures per school, I mean, on an average, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's beautiful because we're, we're 
kids are getting the information. They're now understanding this was not okay. When somebody probably perhaps told them this is okay. And they now realize, oh, I need help, right? And those are just disclosures that I know. Once I've left the school, so much, you know, it's heavy. I tell the kids it's it's heavy. It's important information that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Think about it for a while. You know, and so... That's just kind of what I see when I'm there. What happens after I leave or I don't know, um, you know, that's, you know, between them and then they, they take care of that as well. Over the years, I've had clients that I'm currently working with that will come and tell me about how they helped a friend at school. So that's what And it's because, about. and these are younger kids, not middle school kids, so just yeah. FYI, Becca, not... But and they were like, and it was because somebody from your place came and talked to me when I was a kid. Of, and I'll say, really? Well, do you remember their name? And nine times out of ten, they'll say Crystal. Sometimes they'll, they remember <laughs> Joe and Susie way more than Crystal. <laughs> and they'll say, and I remember she said, you just keep telling until somebody believes you. And I'm like, there to me, right there. They, because now I have a client who's a survivor that is using their voice to help advocate for another person. And that's that's what it's about, right? Yes. We get lots of this. I mean, can you imagine somebody hurting you that you know and love and thought that you could trust? And you love that person. Mm-hmm. And you don't want that person to get in trouble, but they're hurting you. And you know it's yeah. not okay and it has to stop. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They're so brave to find that voice and to disclose and to ask for help. or to, it's, And those, those kiddos are strong. But it also sounds like, too, that in order to have those nice, beautiful working relationships, you all have to work really hard at getting and building relationships with the educators, the principals, the counselors, the community members, right? To have the, what's the word I'm looking for? Buy-in mm-hmm. yeah. of these these programs, they work. Sure. And this is why this is important. Yeah. And it's a buy-in because they don't, they don't really need, I mean, there's, of course, I, I think they need us there, but they could easily say, no, you know, we don't have time. We're super busy. And yeah. no, I mean, they're very welcoming to have us there. I genuinely love it when I walk through the door and they ask me if I have extra time and they take me around to meet other teachers oh, wow. or school people. Like I've met many custodians. I've met many cafeteria workers. Like, that's my favorite part because then I can genuinely tell the students, like, I have met these people. They they wanted they me to meet so that, you know, I can tell you that they care. Like, so I think that's really awesome. Well, that is because if we look at prevention, it's everybody's responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And just because the person who took the time to cook your food and serve you food that doesn't mean that's their only job, right? Is working in the cafeteria. They're also for the well-being and the health and safety of every child that walks through that door, too, right? Right. When we begin to see it's it's all of us, not just yes. oh these people who Absolutely. are charged with safety, right? It begins. It's a whole different view. Um, and there are some kids who will connect more readily with perhaps the person who says. Good morning, good afternoon, it's so good to see you, calls them by name, who gives them food every day, then perhaps their teacher. I mean, that, that's just the, the reality. Who our nervous system feels safe with. 
a mentor that she was amazing. I, I could hear her story all the time, but that's exactly who she connected with. And that was um, a lady that worked in her cafeteria. Mm-hmm. She said she was the kindest person to me and I trusted her and that's who she disclosed to. Yeah. And her story is amazing. And it does. It just kids know when you're genuine. Oh, they totally do. Well, nervous systems know. Yeah. I mean, our nervous, I mean, how many years have I been preaching about the nervous yeah. system here, right? Our nervous system know. knows immediately, is she being fake or is she being real? I mean, it just does. It because does. I, my, my lips can lie, but my nervous system cannot. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for kids, like a lot of times talking to people of authority, it can be really, like, it can oh, be sure. really nerve-wracking. Like, yeah. you know. Just not because, like, they're bad people or and not even because of, like, stereotypes or anything. Like, we think of a police officer. Like, yeah, we know they're there to protect us, but sometimes somebody in uniform can look pretty scary. I don't know if they still do it, but I remember we used to have them come to our elementary school and, like, they'd have the fire people, sure. like, firefighters, like, in normal clothes. And in front of us, they put their uniform on just in case. So, they'd be like, you have no reason to be scared because sometimes... Authority can look scary, mm-hmm. and that's why I think it. You know, they do connect with people like the cafeteria worker, the custodian, like you know, the people who they're like. I feel like I can relate with them more mm-hmm. because it's just a little less scary. And you probably see them more as well. Yeah, and that too. You know, and so that's just my thoughts. I don't know how true that is, but that's just kind of how I see it. That just sometimes you got to get past the uniform to see the person because it's just a little scary sometimes. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. There's even research that shows, like in the medical world, white coat syndrome, that just because your healthcare provider wears a white, like, lab coat will raise your blood pressure. (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) They've shown that. So uniforms can mean different things to different people, depending on what your experience has been. Yeah. Absolutely. Well... What do you all enjoy the most about your job and what you do? I get excited when I go back, like, because the first day it's always like, what's this? What's going to happen? And then when I come back and they're really excited and they're like, genuinely like, I'm glad you're here. Or they want to tell me the story or, you know, they're like, hey, like this happened. And so that connection's built. Or when I come back the next year and they have me again and they're like, I remember you, and I'm like, there's the impact. They remember. So that's exciting. I love they remember the stories. I mean, they can tell me word for word the stories that I tell them, like with the Joe and Susie dolls or the, they love it. I truly, every single day, love my job more and more. That's amazing. I love being in the school with the kids. I just, I, I can't even explain how awesome these kiddos are and how proud they make me and um they're just they're super cool they really are so Becca, is yours multiple days that you go back and talk to the same group yeah so it kind of gets confusing so each grade is broke up into four sessions Mm -hmm. and so the first session is always the same what is the boundary because people don't really realize like 
almost everything you do is a boundary from like me not sharing my drink with you to me stating like, hey, like I don't like it when you call me names. So, and then we build on that to go a little deeper into like the boundaries you set within a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of start there. And then in each grade, it's all different. And so seventh grade, we start talking about, you know, dating violence. And then eighth grade, we really hone in on that. And so we just slowly step into it as we go because we don't want to just jump straight in because that might get a little confusing. But yeah, we're broke up into four sessions per grade. And then the last one is my favorite. We map the safety of the school. Mm -hmm. So I give them a map of their school and they will color code and tell me different areas within their school where they feel like the safest versus the unsafest. And then I actually work with the school board or the people in the front office, whoever wants to be involved in that, to make any unsafe area safer for the students. So that's my favorite part. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, have you worked with a school to figure out, like, can you name an example of what you've done to make something safer? So far, I'm really proud of our schools. Like, the only unsafe areas are the bathrooms, and that's the trickiest because we can't put cameras in the bathroom. And so, like, that has been, like, a good thing to know, but also a bad thing to know because if those are the only areas that are the unsafest, like, one of the main things you can do is just to add a teacher during mm-hmm. class rotations, mm-hmm. either outside the bathrooms while kids are going back and forth from class. Um, but other than that, so far, the schools are coming up more green than red. Green as in safe and red as in unsafe. Yeah. So, in that aspect, things are fine. Like, you'll have a couple of red spots, and the main thing is adding cameras, mm-hmm. which some schools have done. We're like, okay, so we know, like, some schools have these random hallways to the side, and they were like, we really didn't think there were traffic that much, so now we have teachers in those areas or cameras in those areas. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, and then each year I go back, it just keeps getting greener and greener. So you've really seen some positive change. Oh, yeah. That's oh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um... I think this was a very intriguing conversation. Crystal, you do a lot of the keeping kiddos safe from those um, adult guardian caretaker figures, letting them know that they are allowed to speak up if something isn't right. And then once they get into middle school and they start those more interpersonal relationship with their peers, you get to help educate on what healthy relationships look like. So we, we have two different dynamics here but both very solid helpful programs that it sounds like um you're doing a lot of great work for our community um as we wrap up I'm curious is there anything that you would like to add or something that we missed a question that we didn't really get to touch on so far I just personally want to say thank you for coming and having the interest in our program and seeing how um, important it is. And I'm thankful that you all did this. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank you all. I super yeah. love my job. Like yeah. just to get to do this, to let people know that, like, Hey, I will preach it. To <clears throat> you have every right to be happy, safe and healthy. And nobody can make that not true for you. So that's just the only thing I want everybody to know. And it's all of our jobs to make sure all of our kids feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we just have to speak up and yes, step out and tell people, hey, that's not cool. Let's do better. 
I would love, and they might have this, who knows, but I would love um, an adult version of your program. Oh, yeah. Cool. I mean. Because to where, you know, you could have a group that would look at all of those things within like it a month. would be so re- relatable for adults yeah. as well. Because when adults come into therapy, right, a lot of it is based around boundaries and lack of boundaries. Not even knowing I had the ability to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. I like that. Or that you've been setting them since the start. You just didn't even realize it. And then that they're deeper than just your basic. That would be thing. really good, yeah. actually. I mean, honestly, it really would be phenomenal to have an adult-based group to talk about um, oh my gosh, keeping it safe? No. It's, it's my space. It's my space. It's okay. It's my space. Sorry. It's changed names before. It, it, it has changed me. names many times. And <laughs> it so. keeps me, I'm always like. Didn't it be, yeah. used to be called healthy boundaries or something? It was shifting boundaries. Shifting. shifting. See, I knew the word it boundaries. Was shifting I know. boundaries. That, I like that one. I like yeah. shifting boundaries and then we changed it to it's my space, which I get because we do talk a lot about how like this is literally your space and only people who you want to invite into that space. Right. It becomes more clear why it's called that as you go through it. So totally. that's why. Yeah. And then with that's how we also include like even your, the internet, your social media, that is your space. I would like to have a deeper program together for internet safety. Could, yeah. So, Oh goodness. That is so needed. And I would tell you, even that. as a therapist, when I'll cover that in private session, it's still, it's, I feel like it's a losing battle. It's because there's new stuff every day. I know, every Becca, you're around the day. same age as I am. But, I mean, I grew up on social media. I had I had a MySpace from the time I was too young to be on it. Um, but, like, m- my Facebook memories go back, like, 13 years or something to when I was very young. And I'm like, that shouldn't have been posted on the Internet. So I've been systemically just going through every time I get a Facebook memories for the day, blocking all of my posts from when I was like 12, 13. I wish someone would have talked to me about interpersonal relationships, healthy boundaries, Internet safety. But with, again, with shifting social well, media, even that being said, um, these poor kids, they're going to make mistakes online. They're going to do some things not so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Well, um, like adults do, too. Absolutely. All the time. But I want them to, they're doing too many things and they're feeling helpless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want them to know that we can still help them. If we make a mistake and we post a picture that we shouldn't post, we can help you. I don't want you to feel helpless. I I don't want you to feel like there's no way we can get this better. Because we can. I like to say that our spaces are becoming greener on my sense of things. Because, you know, greener means safe. But our internet is becoming redder. So that's the scary part. Yeah. I agree that all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have kindergartners that talk about TikTok. Talk about. Mm-hmm. And they're playing games. They're, I mean, they're playing games with strangers with headsets on and talking. They did just shut down Omegle, though. I saw that article the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. One of our coworkers was talking about how they were at a conference or something and they were bringing up Omegle and about how it's this new new thing. It is not new. (laughs) I remember seeing horrible stuff on that when I was way too young. I didn't know about it. They pulled it up. They did like a study and I think they said within like the first 45 seconds, you're going to see nudity. Oh, 100%. It was like that when I was a child and I shouldn't have been on the internet on those sites. But yeah, they just shut that down. So I mean, hey. One one thing at a time, but 
I mean, I think I that is progress. That. We're going to think of this as a po- that is progress. I had no idea. We're taking it there. I, I think what you guys said. We need to talk about these things, and kids need to know that it is okay to talk about these things. If they see something on the internet they shouldn't see, they need to go to a safe adult because you know you can't. We can't ban everything. We can't block everything. They're going to have access to it. It's all about education. Um, so I'm glad we have an amazing education team here that helps do things such as internet safety a little bit, but a lot of the other stuff that is so important for kiddos to learn. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks for having us. Well, you're welcome. Do you all have uh, clients that have had trouble with a picture being online? and Because you know there's the take uh, take it down site. Mostly it's for my for my middle schoolers, it's sexting. On, oh, yeah. Um, they have the take it down site, you know, and mm-hmm. it's through uh, the National Unexploited Children's, and most of the time they are going to get that picture taken down. Okay, well, we will link that below. If there is a picture and you're under the age of 18, if it was leaked or if anything mm-hmm. happened, it's there is a take it down resource to I'm take saying, that down. Yeah. Perfect. And we'll put resources in our show details like we always do. And we want to say thank you all very much for taking time out of your day to be here. And for all of our listeners out there in podcast land, whether you're in Wisconsin or you're in India, we want to say you can change the world tomorrow just by listening today. I don't need to say woo at the end, but I got it. Well, we've made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We hope you'll take something you heard today and use it to change the world tomorrow. We wanted to thank our music producer, Seth Hedges, from Uriah Wild Media. His website is in the show description. Also, a big shout out to Roddy Newton, our technical advisor. See you next time. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 26, awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the U.S. Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this program are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. Thank you.